Good morning, everyone. Who would have thought it'd be this beautiful on November the 5th? It's unbelievable. It's like it's summer all over again and a great day for football or whatever else you would love to be doing. This is your place to be today. We are live at Acrisure Stadium getting set for Pitt and Syracuse. We have a pregame show coming up at 1230 until 130. But in the meantime, I'm here taking your calls at 412-928-9370. Flanked by Matthew Katz, who's over here to my right. And Joel Nelson back at the studio. He'll be taking your calls at 412-928-9370. We have so much to get into as we've reached the bye week for the Pittsburgh Steelers. You can also hit me up, by the way, on Twitter. It's at KD Pomp. Our show is brought to you by the good people of PNC Bank. Make today the day at PNC. And if you're out and about, get to one of their many ATMs and make your life easier financially by going to PNC. Also, Ireland Contracting, home of the nightly sports call. Number one, Cochrane Shop 24-7 at Expressway with Cochrane.com. And Iron Rock Tap House in Greensburg. For all your sports viewing pleasure, it's a great place to hang out. Iron Rock Tap House. All right, so we're talking about the Steelers to start with. They've reached their bye week at 2-6. and six. So I guess the question is, by making a trade of Chase Claypool, have they indirectly given up on a playoff spot? That's a conclusion you can make. But also, it's a little confusing when you see that trade followed by one for William Jackson when they bring in a 30-year-old uh, defensive back who was originally a number one pick of the Cincinnati Bengals, most recently, uh, his performance has not been as good as it was early on, and the Steelers certainly had a liking for him back when he was available in the NFL draft. But he comes in to help what has been a banged-up and ineffective secondary, largely. But I'd be interested to hear your take about what you think the Steelers are right now. They lose a, a weapon for Kenny Pickett, who's a developing quarterback. So your receiving core is, is somewhat thin. Austin's out for the year. Claypool's now traded, aside from Deontay Johnson and George Pickens. And I guess if there's one good thing to say about that is that Pickens will have room to uh, expand his role. And then after that, you got Miles Boykin, you have um, Gunnar Olszewski, and you have Steven Sims, and that's pretty much it. So I would say to you that, you know, they're in an experimental stage here now, these nine games, and certainly they're not going to say that they can't get to the playoffs because stranger things can happen. But at two at six, it would take an awful lot, including them winning just about every game. So they want to find out what Kenny Pickett's all about. They want to find out what a lot of people are all about moving into this offseason so what they can do to add to it. When you look at maybe their failings in the past and why they are in this position, you know, their offensive line play and their run game has just not been, according to Mike Tomlin, you know, up to the standard. Uh, they have certainly not run the ball well at all. This predates anything Matt Canada or this group has done. They've had an ineffective run game, and this is a, an organization that prides itself on having a good run game. And they just haven't had it this year. Their offensive line, their last three draft picks on that line were in order. Kevin Dotson, a fourth-round pick. The next year, third-round pick Kendrick Green, followed by fourth-round pick Dan Moore. So basically those three guys forced them to go out and actually spend money in free agency that they could have earmarked for another position had those three been better. As it is right now, Kendrick Green can't even play. He was a center, and he was miscast there. Tried guard this year, lost his job to Dotson. Morris had a rough time, uh, and they had to go out and spend money on Mason Cole and Daniels at guard. This is after they tried Trey Turner at guard. So it's been a revolving door there, and I think if you get some stability there, and you certainly can criticize their draft over the years in terms of ignoring that aspect of the game. They've tried to bring in some position players, skilled players who can work, 
Um, but quite frankly, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster's on to another team. Chase Claypool's on to another team. Najee Harris is not anywhere near what I thought he could be. Jalen Warren has pushed him. And you wonder how much more time Jalen Warren will get in the second half of the season. Anyway, they're off tomorrow. Uh, we'll still have a pregame show because that's what we do every day, uh, Sunday, 11.30 a.m. on KDK-TV. So we hope you join us for that. Back in action next week when the Seattle or when the New Orleans Saints come here to Akershore Stadium in a game the Steelers are still underdogs in, although it will be with the return of T.J. Watt. So you, uh, if you ever wanted to know, Matt, who is the MVP of the Pittsburgh Steelers, the answer is T.J. Watt. Not because he's done anything other than playing one game, but what he's done and his absence make him the most valuable player. I don't think there's any question about that. Uh, so that's your answer for that. Meantime... We're moving on to some other things. The Penguins are in a situation as well that uh, it's a difficult one to watch because uh, they are now 4-5-2, and and that's significant because they were 4-0-1 at one point. They've lost six games in a row, and in those games, five blown leads. They have fallen to the second fewest amount of points in their division, the third fewest amount in the Eastern Conference. And quite frankly, this team was built around the big three coming back and taking it as long as they can take it. But that's not been the case so far in fact their last game in buffalo which is a good young improving team i can tell you the sabers uh, when you look at their team man they, they can come at you at all angles and they you know their goaltending if it holds up that should make them a competitive team right now they're the second team in their division coming off a come from behind win and they got some really talented players on their roster uh, when you look at them in addition to rasmus dalin who's uh, been you know their outstanding young defenseman uh, Deline has points in just about every game they've played. This kid, Tage Thompson, has been out of control. How good he is. He's six foot six. He's got a howitzer shot. He showed that. They acquired Alex Tuck in trade. They got Jeff Skinner. Uh, Olafson has been good for them so far. Casey Middlestad. They got a lot of talent in Buffalo, and the Penguins found that out firsthand as they lose that game in come-from-ahead fashion, and that's been their problem. So they got to get back to better performances Penalty killing has not been good at all. They've missed Teddy Bluger. Hopefully he's going to be back, and their goaltending has been sporadic. Other than that, things are good. The Penguins need to really get it together here. As an older team, you don't want to see them fall too far behind because I do not think you know, they're going to have what you would expect to be um, the team in place that could dig out of a big ditch. It's not a ditch right now that's insurmountable, but if you keep losing like this, it's going to be a problem. By the way, Seattle cracking in town tonight. They're 3-1 and 1 on the road, and, of course, they've already beaten the Penguins once on that uh, Western Canada and West uh, trip that they went on. 412-928-9370. also want to get into Pitt and Syracuse here today. we got some big games on KDKA and CBS, the biggest of all. Number one, Tennessee. Number two, Georgia. Depending on what poll you look at, they could be flip-flopped. But Georgia at home, between the hedges, is a nine-point favorite in that game. That's a lot of points to take on a team that's currently ranked number one in the country. Pitt saw Tennessee. Pitt should have beaten Tennessee here earlier this year. Another big game in the ACC is Clemson-Notre Dame. And then, of course, we have two local teams, Penn State, Indiana, West Virginia, Iowa State. That's later today. We'll analyze some of these trade uh, deadline moves here coming up as I go along. In the meantime, uh, we want to get to your calls. Again, it's 412-928-9370. Mike in Uniontown is there. Hey, Mike, I was in Uniontown last night with the family. We went to uh, Titlow Tavern over there, really nice place to dine. Yeah, you love it. Hey, Bob, you all the time say nice things about Pitt. I really appreciate that. Hey, listen, Bob, you know, when they get rid of Claypool, as far as I'm concerned, it's like a drawn man grabbing for straws. I mean, they're blaming Kenny Pickett. And as far as the run game, 
They, they don't have no other line. They were, they were suspect to begin with. What did they expect to run back to do? I'm going to hang up and listen to you, Bob. Thanks, buddy. All right, Mike. Thank you. Well, again, it's the same thing we're talking about. Offensive line play has been below what it should be. It's been better. To start the year, I thought they were a little bit better. Um, but I think, you know, the emphasis on not making mistakes sometimes can make you make mistakes. And even if you think you're playing a clean game, you're not taking shots down the field. I think both quarterbacks, Trubisky and Pickett, have missed open receivers at times. Chris Hoke was very critical on the radio the other day, and he'll be with me, as he always is, after all games on Pittsburgh CW and KDKA-TV, that Kenny Pickett missed a lot of guys. Um, so it's a combination of everything. The line has to give quarterbacks more time so they can go to five to seven step drops if they need be. Uh, they maybe need to roll out more as quarterbacks to buy some more time. But, you know, there are a lot of issues there with this Pittsburgh Steeler offense, and it's got to get figured out. Uh, play calling is chief among them, I think. They haven't been very aggressive in that, uh, and the plays uh, are somewhat predictable, especially on first down. Four one two nine two eight ninety three seventy. We have Greg and Youngstown joining us on this beautiful day here in Pittsburgh. What's up, Greg? Hey, Bob. Uh, you know, and, and let's just give me a little time on this. The only person I blame, or the two people I blame for the way this team's played for the last six years or seven years, honestly, is Tomlin and Colbert. And let me say this: since nineteen seventy, the only coaches that have coached more years than Tomlin were Shola, Landry, and Noel. And he's not even in their class. This guy should be fired. And you guys are afraid to say this for some unknown reason. He is the main problem. And Colbert was the problem, and he left. This guy should be shown the door, and we need the results with a new coach, a new system, and start new. Because he ain't Noel, he ain't Landry, and he ain't Shula. Well, as I said, Greg, and thank you for the call, uh, in the past, if I had to assess... Mike Tomlin, uh, the biggest weakness he has at times is hiring a coaching staff. And that's a big problem if you have guys who don't do what they need to do in terms of developing players. Uh, I think there are a lot of great things about Mike Tomlin. I've gotten to know him personally. I understand if you talk to a lot of players to tell you some of the things that he does best, what he doesn't do best right now is hiring coaches who should be NFL caliber coaches. And I think that's a legit criticism. Uh, But I also think you know they've had some players in position to make plays, and if you're going to cite all those uh, plays, uh, playoff games in which they've fallen short, a lot of terrible plays by players you expect not to make them. Game planning only goes so far. Execution of it is also a problem, and I blame a lot of players for those. Uh, and it's a combination, as I say. Uh, they need some retooling. There's no question about that. They have to open up their imagination. I think they've tried to do that to some extent when it comes to um, you know, looking at their comfort zone, how they like to operate, and they've tried to deviate a little bit from that. They've made trades at trade deadlines. You normally don't see that. But there are mixed messages involved in those things. And quite frankly, I think they have to get that all straightened out. But it starts with hiring, you know, NFL-caliber head coaches. Uh, say what you want about Matt Canada. He did not have that. Uh, he had one good year here at Pitt. The rest of them have not been all that good. Uh, LSU didn't want him very long. Maryland, it didn't work there. Uh, he comes here with no NFL experience other than being a quarterback coach. I didn't like to hire at the time. And, again, nothing against Matt Canada personally, but this is not the kind of hire you need to make, in my opinion. They, they had to go out and get some guys who have vast experiences in understanding uh, you know, NFL type of offenses. And they had opportunities, and they may again at the end of the season, even though there are no coaching changes during this bye week. 412-928-9370 is the number to call. If you want to bring into a question you know, drafting, 
Uh, I think Kevin Colbert over the years has done a terrific job. But I also think, like any GM, you're going to have hits and misses. You know, they, they've let some guys go in free agency who I like. I would have liked to have kept around here. We saw Javon Hargrave in Philadelphia. I remember at the time thinking they should sign him. He was a third-round pick. It cost, okay, whatever it cost. But he's the kind of guy that you want to keep. And normally they keep their own guys here. They couldn't fit him in for whatever reason. He's turned out to be a legitimate star in Philadelphia. And by the way, speaking of the Philadelphia Eagles, they won again. Jalen Hurts is someone that Steelers could have drafted since Claypool came up this week. Ahead of Chase Claypool. And Jalen Hurts, if they wanted to look and start, you know, a little rebuilding of the quarterback position, knowing that Ben Roethlisberger was going to hang him up, then this would have been a a pick to make. Again, it's second-guessing. I get that. But Jalen Hurts has been terrific. It took a year. Last year, they weren't happy with him. Two and five were the Eagles. They're getting criticism left and right. Criticism is a part of the NFL and all sports, more so today than ever because of social media. And sometimes you've got to dial that back a little, in my opinion. But Jalen Hurts... And Nick Sirianni have worked together. They've given him, Howie Roseman and company have done some very shrewd moves. A.J. Brown was another guy the Steelers passed on in the draft, by the way. They could have had him, and he was kind of begging to be drafted by the Steelers. Jalen Hurts uh, has now won eight straight games this year. So they won the other night. They had to come from behind to beat Houston. So they're 8-0 and in Miami. They're still chilling the champagne. Eventually, it'll get popped, believe me. They're not going to go through the season undefeated. they got some tough games left the Eagles do, although they're going to be favoring just about everyone except Dallas, I think. But Hertz has been the starter for each of the eight wins this year. So, you know, he's 24 years old. And if you look at consecutive wins by guys under the age of 25, this is the list you're going to come up with. Ben Roethlisberger sits atop that list. 15 consecutive wins as a quarterback under the age of 25. That's best of all time. Second is Lamar Jackson. 13 wins. That was from 19 through 20. Peyton Manning and Dak Prescott, both with 11. Well, Jalen Hurts now has 11, and he can very easily move up to the 13 and potentially move into that Roethlisberger position the way the Eagles are playing. So that's how good he's been. And, again, you can second-guess every draft. That's what we all do. Uh, You could have made the case that maybe they should have taken Jalen Hurts instead of uh, Chase Claypool. Looking back, that looks like a move that would have been better off for them based on what they were doing here with quarterback play. 412-928-9370 is the number to call. We're live here at Acroshore Stadium getting ready for Pitt and Syracuse. A couple of weeks ago, this looked like it was going to be a marquee game, maybe a night game, with all the attention on the ACC Coastal. Instead, it has dropped off considerably because both teams have been not very good of the last couple of weeks. We'll talk about that. More calls on the way. Give me a shout here at 412-928-9370. All right, welcome back as we roll ahead live at AccraSure Stadium, getting set for Pitt and Syracuse later today. Our preview show begins at 12.30. Paul Zeistor and Dickerson will join me here. And then it's the network pregame show following that until kickoff at 3.30. Uh, just want to get back real quick and go over some of these trade deadline moves before I get back to the phone lines at 412-928-9370. Uh, number one, of course, Chase Clay pulled to the Bears, and they picked up William Jackson. So that it's interesting. It sends a couple of messages. Number one. Like, okay, uh, maybe we're not thinking playoffs. Maybe we're thinking about rebuild, acquiring draft picks. And yet they bring in a 30-year-old defensive back. Now, that may be because they have so many injuries. And I don't know that they've soured on Akello Weatherspoon. Maybe they have. He was brought in last year, played well, got a deal. Now maybe they're moving in a new direction. They're going to use this time to find out what William Jackson really has left. In the meantime, Robbie Anderson to the Cardinals. Christian McCaffrey was the big deal to the 49ers. And, boys, he fit right in there. Uh, really elite talent. San Francisco's a team to watch right now. James Robinson ends up with the Jets. They did that because Brees Hall got injured. What a great rookie he was. Robert Quinn, the big deal to the Eagles. 
Kadarius Toney to the Chiefs, and you can say what you want about the Chiefs, boy. They got rid of Tyreek Hill. He leads the NFL in reception yards, receptions, all of that in Miami. But Kadarius Toney was the number one pick of the Giants just a year ago, and to find them souring on him so quickly is interesting, and don't be surprised if he emerges not unlike what Juju Smith-Schuster has done with Mahomes and Andy Reid. Roquan Smith goes from the Bears to the Ravens. That's a big deal for there. TJ Hawkinson, I never saw that trade coming, especially in division as he goes to the Vikings. And, of course, Bradley Chubb signed a new deal as he goes to the Dolphins. Big pick. They needed help. They couldn't get to the quarterback. And they got him from Denver, gave up a lot, uh, but they signed him to a big-time deal. Back to the lines we go. Steve in Indiana is next up here on the Bob Pompiani Show. Hey, Steve. Bob? Yes, Steve. Go right Hello, ahead. Hello, Bob. Yeah, my opinion, in my opinion, where the Steelers – made the mistake was in this year's draft. They should have drafted linemen and a middle linebacker and worried about the quarterback this year, this coming year, with all these good quarterbacks coming up. I think they kind of did it in reverse. That's my opinion. I'd like your thoughts. Thank you. I, I, you certainly make a valid case that they could have done that. Uh, there are a couple of guys, Humphrey and Linderbaum in particular, we've talked about those guys that the Steelers could have taken them. Um, and as because they didn't, because they took other guys later in rounds, have not lived up to what they expected. Now they had to go out and spend free agent money on the offensive line, and most likely they're going to have to redraft the offensive line. So that's called spinning your wheels. And, um, you know, the quarterback thing, again, I can go backwards or forwards here. You want to talk about picking someone they should have picked? Maybe it's Jalen Hurts instead of Chase Claypool, given what we know now. But we didn't know that now. A lot of people had doubts about Jalen Hurts, and so did the people in Philadelphia last year when they were 2-5. and five. So sometimes... It looks far better when you're looking backwards. It always does. But when you're looking ahead, you don't know what these guys are going to turn out to be. I certainly expected Najee Harris to be better. Now, if he's afflicted by injury, uh, that's different. But he hasn't, you know, I asked him the other day in the locker room, are you 100%? He said yes. Okay, based on that, you have to judge him accordingly. And his numbers are just not good enough. And, again, it's directly responsible to the offensive line, potentially, or play calling or whatever. But they've had issues there. Rebecca joins us in Gibsonia. What's up, Rebecca? How are you today? Hi, Bob. Thank you so much for taking my call, and I just wanted to tell you how much I enjoy your show. Um, Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I don't think that the playoff chances improve with, with the trade uh, of Claypool. Um, you know, he did have some good games uh, during the season, uh, particularly the last couple, but there's been a lot of drop balls. There's been a lot of issues there. Um I do think that it is going to be better having Watt back. I'm very concerned about him aggravating that injury, but I do think their chances improve as well. Um, and I mean, I you know there are offensive weapons there. I know that there's only a couple of wide receivers, but I'm just thinking about more to Pat Fryerman. You know, more to make, let's see what Sims and, and Olszewski can do. I mean, in the preseason, those guys look pretty good. So. Yeah, but the preseason is the preseason. A lot of guys look good, and their quarterbacks looked excellent, and they didn't make any mistakes. Thanks, Rebecca. I appreciate the call, and good to have you on board. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think you're right on to that. They're going to look at this as an opportunity to kind of assess what they have moving forward and then look at their holes and try to fill those holes. But, again, you know, we talk about redrafting positions, and I mentioned offensive line when you don't do it well. Same could be said about the inside linebacking position. You know, unfortunately, it started with the injury to Ryan Shazier. And Shazier was just about to become an, you know, an emerging star, a superstar potentially. That happened to him, unfortunately. But good for Ryan. He's, he's really just taken off with his life and everything else. 
uh, as a result of that, and he's been terrific, he and his wife Michelle. However, they drafted and made a big deal to move up to get Devin Bush, and that has not worked out, not even close to what they thought. So most likely this year they're going to have to draft somebody else in that situation. You know, even though he's been better, Bush, I, I, I don't, I can't see it being to the point where they're going to bring him back. They didn't pick up his option. That was a clear sign they were not enthralled with what he was doing. And so now they're in a situation where they have to redraft offensive line, most likely redraft inside linebacker, and I would think they have to look at defensive line as well. Uh, Cam Hayward has been playing great in his later years, and, and there's no reason to think that will immediately drop off, but at some point it will, and they're going to have to have somebody ready to play. Now, they drafted guys. I think DeMarvin Leal is going to be good, but I thought Loudermilk would be better than he was when they picked him in the fifth round a couple of years ago. They need people on both offensive and defensive lines. Uh, and, you know, I don't know if you can address all of that in one draft because, you you know, they have now a first and two seconds. They're going to have three of the top 45 picks in the draft. You have to hit on all three of those. They cannot be marginal players. They cannot do anything less than be starters and contributors. You'd hope more than that, but it's hard to, to make all of them in that category. But that's the pressure they're going to face in this situation because it is a division that's a good division. Although, having said that, I watched Cincinnati completely implode the other night. Their offensive line is not anywhere near what I thought it would be, and Joe Burrow is getting sacked quite a bit. And Cleveland, it was a desperate situation, I thought, for them, and, boy, they rose to the occasion as they beat Cincinnati. And they're 3-5, and kind of just you know, rocking the cradle, waiting for um, Deshaun Watson to be eligible, and that will be in week 13. His first game will be at the Houston Texans. So uh, bottom line is the division is going to get harder, not easier, and the Steelers still haven't played Baltimore at all. They got them left. They got one with Cleveland, one with Cincinnati. That's four of the remaining nine games. 412-928-9370. I want to talk real quick before we go to break. Those baseball fans out there, and I am among them, I love high-quality baseball. If you've been watching the Phillies and the Astros, you know that Houston's pitching staff is just incredible. Uh, Their starters have been good, but their bullpen has been even better. Uh, So far, their starters in the last... Four games, I guess, of this series. 18 innings, six hits, two runs, but the bullpen, 0.82 ERA throughout the entire playoffs. 0.82 ERA. They had a combined no-hitter the other day. That bullpen, when you get into it, if you're the Phillies, game six tonight in Houston, by the way, the roof's going to be closed in that game, uh, you better come out and, and get an early lead. In the games they've won, they've done that. you got to do that. If you don't do that, you're going you're gonna to fall right into their strength. And Dusty Baker... I'm happy if he could win a championship. He's gone his entire career. Really class man. Had a chance to emcee a couple of banquets with him. And just a, a nice guy. Got into broadcasting. Now back with the Astros after their uh, all their cheating and all that stuff that was going on. And he straightened it up, certainly. What can you say about them, too? It, here you go about drafting and developing, right? It's it, it's one thing when they went bottom, you know, tanked after three straight 100-loss seasons. And they got George Springer. And they got El Tuve. And they got Alex Bregman. They hit, hit, hit on those, and they got some pitchers too. But now they lose Carlos Correa to free agency, an outstanding shortstop who they also got during that three-year, 100-loss-a-year uh, strife they went through. But Jeremy Pena is someone they bring up. Not only is he a gold glover as a rookie, but he was an MVP of a postseason uh, series already, and he's been terrific for them. They have Kyle Tucker, another guy, um, who's all of a sudden supplied 30 home run power, a young guy. 
they draft well. You have to draft well in all sports. We can analyze everything you want to analyze, but if you don't draft well, I don't care what market it in, you're not going to have success. If you do draft well, I don't care what market it in, you're going to have success. It may not be championship caliber success, but you're going to have success. And therein lies the situation that all teams face. The Penguins are in that situation also because they haven't had many top-end draft picks, and you know, slowly but surely, you're starting to see that. Uh, they're four, five, and two right now. They're banking on uh, the oldest team in the NHL to get to and do well in the playoffs. And I don't doubt that they can't do that because they have the pedigree. However, it takes everything working. It takes, you know, veteran players who've been around, not named Crosby, not named Latang or Malkin, guys like Kapanen. He's been a disappearing act once again. They brought him back, and I haven't seen much from him. Those guys have got to step up and play the way they're capable. So we have a lot to get into, as we always do. It's 412-928-9370. Let me know what you think. Call 412-928-9370. All topics open for you until 1230. Open lines. Want to hear from me? You can also hit me up on Twitter, at KD Pump. Beautiful day here at Akershore Stadium, getting set for Pitt-Syracuse a little later this afternoon. Lots of great football. It's a great day to do just about everything. I'm sure my golfers out there are out playing golf, people outdoors doing whatever you got to do. Enjoy the afternoon for sure. I want to remind you <clears throat> that you can text us on the Edgar Snyder & Associates fan text line, same as the call-in line at 928-9370. Edgar Snyder & Associates reminds you to text responsibly. Twitter on the fan is brought to you by South Hills Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram and Peters Township. Visit them online at southhillsjeep.com. And also want to remind you about the fan as your chance to win your way into signing of Shooters Golf in Wexford with Total Sports Entertainment. Featuring linebackers Miles Jack and Alex Heisbeck on Saturday, November the 12th. Tune into the Fan Morning Show this week to get two passes to the signing details at 937thefan.com. All right, so we're rolling right along. I'm going to get into some college football here just because I have a question. And the question is, is it possible that three SEC teams will end up in the college football playoff? It's a legit possibility, I think. We'll talk about that in a second. Right now, let's go back to the phone lines. And we have Mike on the North Shore joining us here on the Fan Hotline. What's up, Mike? Hey, Bob. I'd like to uh, discuss the Claypool trade. Sure. Okay. I, I know Claypool. And uh, if you remember back in the uh, training camp where we heard some rumors about Claypool uh, wanted traded back then, because, you know, he. He thought that uh, he deserved, because uh, the contract here, he deserved 1B money. And he didn't want to become Juju, what happened with Juju and uh, the slot money. So as the year went on, Claypool seen that uh, he wasn't being used as 1B as much because of Pickens and the quarterback situation. He was demanding a trade the whole time, and then hence the rumors that he was a locker room uh, problem. Well, all I can tell you is that I think uh, he shares some of the responsibility for his lack of performance this year, Mike. He's had opportunities to make catches, and he hasn't done it. He had the one big game uh, in which uh, that was the, is it the Tampa Bay game? Yeah, where he had seven catches on seven targets. We need to see more of that. They wanted to see more of that. He's capable of bigger things. I think we see Juju in a new system, what he's capable of. And not only that, but his average yard per reception is 18, when in the last two years in Pittsburgh, it was under eight. So, you know, it's a shared situation. I think the Steelers would not have traded Chase Claypool if they were offered. 
Well, yeah, they, I don't think they were going to ever sign. After they signed Deontay Johnson, they're not going to put more money into another wide receiver unless his name is no. George Pickens. And that's why they you know, so, him. And, uh, right. He, but, nah, again, I don't think they would have done that necessarily for a fifth-round pick. They got a second-round pick, which I never thought they'd be able to get, but I, I think they played it shrewdly. They pitted a couple of teams against one another, teams that needed you know, wide-receiving help. And Green Bay made an offer. Chicago made a better offer. So there you go. And they're right. banking that Chicago is worse than Green Bay, so they're going to get a better pick. So let's. Uh, I'm waiting to see if uh, Chicago redoes his contract and gives him maybe one B money. You know, and then Claypool was gone. Well, they don't. They don't have to rush for that. They they still have time. You know, because he is right. under contract yeah, and he has. Season, yeah, this season they'll see how he does in one B, and if. He does like I think he does because he really worked out hard all offseason counting on the 1B spot. And when they drafted uh, Pickens, he he kind of uh, was disappointed. That's all. I found it interesting. Thanks for the call very much, Mike. He was the guy who introduced Pickens at the draft, too. With a second pick, <laughs> this year's second-round pick, Chase is on the stage saying, George Pickens, welcome to Pittsburgh. Roland joins us in Castle Shannon. What's up, Roland? Hey, Bob, how are you today? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, kudos to you for asking Canada's direct question this week about whether he's been reassured. Bob, I think it's become apparent that the best alternative for diehard Steeler fans, which I put myself, I'm going to put you in that group too, the best scenario is the Steelers not winning more than two games and the Bears not winning any and load up on three or four offensive linemen for Kenny. You have to have one lineman that you can run behind on third and one. Do you agree with that? I agree that they need to address their offensive line, yes, 100%. And, yeah, I mean, obviously you'd like a better draft pick, but I don't think the Steelers operate like that. Uh, when they get T.J. Watt back, they're going to try to win games and get themselves in a situation where they believe they can at least contend for a wild card. Uh, and that's how they operate, and we'll see where it takes them. But yeah, ideally, you'd like better draft equity. If Chicago does not do well, that's going to increase their chances of getting somebody like that. But the key is, as I said, Roland, with all these teams and everybody in sports, it's it's very simple in theory, but it's difficult to execute. You have to draft well. And if you don't, no matter what team, no matter what market, no matter how much money you have, it's difficult to put together a winning team. Well, maybe the best thing that comes out of this is they have to shake up the entire offensive coaching staff. I like Omar Khan, uh, Andy that they brought in from Philadelphia. I'd like to see them bring in some blood for people that have been successful. Kansas City, Buffalo, you know, Tomlin's friends with uh, Coach McDonough up there, the Eagles organization with the Andy connection. Raid a couple of these guys that have been successful, bring in some young people, bring in the young offensive coordinator, rebuild the line. I know we keep hearing it over and over and over again, but to be successful in football, you have to at least have the threat of a run, a running game. You have to be able to convert third and one. You have to be able to score in the red zone. And they, they've got the makings of having a, a great team very quickly. But unlike the Penguins, who did it right, Bob, when they went and had number one picks, and I don't want to use the word tank, but when they got Sidney and Malkin and Fleury and Mario was out not tanking. But when you have a generational talent out there, I don't see the Steelers having a generational pick out there that's going to change the makeup. They need to get three, four, five guys that are starters, like the 1974 draft. They need to get four or five starters out of this draft. It's the most important draft. It's most important for Tomlin. He works for the Rooneys, which is a family-run business. 
to bring in professional, successful, Hall of Fame offensive coaches and rebuild yep, this offense. I, that's the only way I, I agree. I agree with that criticism, Roland. Thank you for the call. And, um, you know, I think we had this conversation where you mentioned about the run game. Chris Hoke had, and I do post-game shows, and Chris is adamant that they don't run it enough. And he said even if the numbers aren't there early, keep banging it, keep running it, pound it, pound it, pound it. Uh, I don't think they're going to do that. Maybe they should do that. Maybe they should invest in a little bit more. All I know is the numbers indicate they're not very good at it. Uh, and quite frankly, if you look at the stealing numbers on just about everything, uh, you're going to find some terrible numbers here, like yards per game. They're 28th in the NFL at 298. Yards per play, four. That's dead last in the NFL. Rushing yards a game, 94. That's 25th. Rushing yards per play, it's even worse at 3.9. Uh, you know, I, I could go through all of these, and these are the, these are the things that everything is in the 25 to 32 range. You got to get better at that situation. It starts up front to me, and they have this offseason to try to explore that possibility, and and we'll see what they can do with it. If they do, Roland, get a pick in the top ten, I would not be adverse. Again, they're going to have to make a judgment on Kenny Pickett here, but I I am not adverse to trading that down and picking up another first and a second. Give yourself, you know, pull a Belichick when you got fifteen picks in uh, seven rounds or something like that. Um, I also thought it was kind of ridiculous to them draft uh, Ola Dukin in the seventh round this year. I mean, the guy never took a snap, and, and they, you know, gone. He's with another team. Um, even though seventh-round picks largely don't make it, you do get some that do, and they could have used it more in a position role as opposed to a fourth-string quarterback who really had no chance of being here longer term.